Good morning, Eastside. Parents can uh, take their children to junior worship if you wish. Uh, if you're new and need to uh, know which way to go, uh, follow the crowd that way. Also, want to take a moment and remind us of our contribution. And there are four different ways uh, for us to contribute to the church here. Uh, you can read, so I'm not going to go over them. Uh, Eddie usually does. Maybe he doesn't know if you can read or not. But um, several ways for us to do that. And giving is an important part of our worship. Uh, if you would, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We'll be there in a few moments. Um, but let's go ahead and roll uh, Addie's video that she did for us for this week. Addie's been doing a What Do You Want for Christmas and asked for these videos to be made. And so let's go ahead and roll that video. What I want for Christmas is the graphic novels Wings of Fire Book 6, Moon Rising. I would also like close race stuffed animals, Sparkle and Lily. And I would also like that graphic novel. <laughs> I give card to Dutch Brothers. I give card to Panda Express. Um, some new long sleeve dress shirts. I don't know, I think that's about it. What would you like for Christmas? A car. And an iPad and five million girl dolls. What would you like for Christmas, Kevin? World. Can't, you, you have to ask for something else, something <laughs> physical. Well, so far I've been told everything I've asked for is too expensive. Yeah, but what, what do you want? And scuba lessons. What is that? <laughs> Scuba diving lessons. Oh yeah, That's lessons great. where you learn how I, to stay, yeah, alive I heard, I heard and crazy. stay alive. That's a great idea. I love I, that. I idea. think so, and it would be great to have it before I went to Cosmo. Yeah. So Christmas is the perfect time. Obviously. So you could start a GoFundMe for me for scuba lessons. Yes. That would be awesome. Hello. What would you like for Christmas? Well, now you have to think about it now. Um, to go to You're already getting that, but like a physical yeah. thing. One hour later. Those are good. Thank you, Addie, for putting those together for us. Eddie has been going through this series of what God wants for Christmas based out of Micah 6 and verse 8, saying that God has told us what he wants from us. Uh, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And when Eddie asked me, to do the lesson this morning, um, several weeks ago, I had no idea that he was going to do those videos. And when Addie went to interview me and asked what I wanted for Christmas, I had no idea that that video would air this Sunday. But it's actually a really good setup for the lesson today. Uh, my, my original answer was world peace. 
Um, and, and if you think back to previous videos that Addie did, I wasn't the first one to say they wanted world peace. That's kind of a cliche, kind of a normalish answer when you ask people what they want is world peace. Um, have you ever really thought, what would that look like? What does peace look like? There was a song that came out a couple of years ago uh, in, in which the artist said, I've been smoking on a peace pipe and I'm wondering just what would peace be like? And while the artist was using some sort of chemical uh, drug to enhance his, his sense of peace, that's not what I'm suggesting this morning, let's get that straight, um, he realizes that the sense of peace that he's experiencing through these chemicals is really an illusion. And, and, and I think the lyrics are very honest. I've been smoking on a peace pipe, but I'm wondering just what would peace be like? What is real peace like? What does real peace look like? Peace that isn't a chemically induced illusion. Peace that would bring comfort to people across the entire world. Peace that melts away anxiety. Peace that erases one's sense of guilt. Peace that ensures that you are known and you are loved. What would peace like look like in your home? What would peace look like to those whose loved ones are struggling with cancer? What would peace look like for the homeless or those in third world countries? To children living in the streets, to young girls being trafficked, to victims of mass shootings, what would peace look like? What would peace look like to the incredibly affluent who seem to have everything except a sense of peace. What would peace look like to you? And what would peace look like 2,000 years ago to shepherds out in a field looking over their sheep? I love the story of Luke chapter 2, in part because it reminds me of an insanely incredible experience I had in Alaska um, several years ago. We'll get to that in a moment. But Luke chapter 2, the first seven verses, we have Caesar declaring that there is going to be a census, so go to your hometown. And so Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem, the city of David. And while they're there, Jesus is born and wrapped in swaddling cloths, and laid in a manger because there was no room. Let's pick up reading in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. I'm sorry, I didn't put all of this up there. If you follow along in your Bibles, again, I'm in Luke 8, or Luke 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts or a multitude of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about them, this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. We've heard this story. The, the most important, most obvious thing about this text, about the birth story of Christ that most people get wrong, is that there is no annoying little boy with a drum waking up baby Jesus. You might, you might think I don't like that song. You'd be right. Shepherds tending their flocks. Near Bethlehem, in the region, somewhere outside of town. Shepherds who are considered second-class citizens, or, or worse. Dirty, lonely, unwealthy. They're just the shepherds. And yet, the news of Jesus' birth, it's almost like the angels can't keep quiet. It's like the angels are like, we have to tell somebody. And they find shepherds in this field, looking over their flocks. They don't go to the rich, to the kings, to the governors, to the religious scholars, to the priests. They go to the shepherds. For a moment, just, just close your eyes if you want and try and imagine the scene as it plays out. You're one of the shepherds and you're out in the field and, and it's nighttime and, and you're trying to stay awake and the sheep are sleeping and you're worried about predators and worried about different dangers and worried about falling asleep and not protecting your sheep and you're talking to some of the other shepherds because you're trying to stay awake Maybe you're trying to count the stars. No, there's too many stars. I'll count the sheep. That's not working. And then an angel appears. And the black night sky shines with the glory of the Lord. And while it's incredibly beautiful and amazing... And something you never imagined you would see in your life. It's terrifying.
What does that glory of the Lord shining look like to you in your mind? Is it just bright light? Is it colors? How big is that angel? It's interesting to just think about to me. And now the angel is speaking. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today, just, just over in Bethlehem, a Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. And you can find him, a little baby, laying in a manger. And then it goes from, from one angel and the glory of the Lord to a great multitude of heavenly hosts. And what does that look like? How spectacular to go from one angel and the glory of the Lord if that wasn't enough. And now there's a multitude of angels and they're, and they're singing. Many years ago in Alaska, we had the teens over to our house for a movie night and it was time to go and so we walked out and our house was right next to the church building, a little parking lot in between and, and the the light, the, the church sign light was on, but the northern lights were out. And there was two streams of northern lights, like the green up there. So you see these big neon, they're like rivers of light flowing through the sky, if you've never seen them. It's the best way I can explain it. And so there was one over here on the left, and there was one on the right, and I ran into the church building and turned the breaker off so that, that we wouldn't have the light pollution from the, the sign light. And we're waiting for the parents to show up. And we're just watching this amazing. And one seems to be flowing this way. And one seems to be flowing this way. And then they broke. And that one broke this way. And that one broke that way. And they started circling each other in the sky. And I had seen the northern lights many times. I'd never seen them do anything like this. And they're swirling through the sky. Almost like a funnel up to the heavens. And they just keep circling. And they're getting closer and closer together. And when they get to the middle. It's as if somebody turned off another breaker. And the whole sky just went black. And we were like. In just a split second, there was just darkness. And then from the middle out in every direction, it seemed like the northern lights exploded. And I haven't seen it like that before. I hadn't seen it since. I haven't heard of anybody else who has seen anything like this with the northern lights. From the middle, shoots of green and purple and pink and white went in every direction. And we all spontaneously just started applauding. God, you are so Amazing. And I wonder if when the shepherds were in the field and it went from that one angel in the glory of the Lord to a multitude of heavenly hosts, if it wasn't even more amazing. And they're singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I imagine them singing. It says they were praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those who he is pleased. I imagine them singing. What an incredible 
sight. What an incredible moment. What an incredible declaration that today the Savior is born in Bethlehem. And it's great joy for all the people, even us shepherds. And peace is born. Peace on earth. God is with us. Can you imagine? How could they not go see? How could they stay in the fields with this amazing thing that had just happened, with this amazing news? How could they not go to Bethlehem? And I wonder, I wonder if when the angels proclaim that a Savior is born in Bethlehem and mention that it will be peace on earth if the shepherds in their mind didn't immediately go back to the book of Micah. Because Micah in chapter 5 and verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem of Ephathra, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins from, are from of old, from ancient times. He will, and, and down in verse 4 of, of Micah 5, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength, shepherd his flock. Ha, shepherds, shepherd his flock. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and he will live securely, for his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. The prophecy in Micah is fulfilled in Jesus' birth and the proclamation to the shepherds in the field. This had been told hundreds of years earlier that the Christ would come in Bethlehem and he would be their peace. Now let me ask again, what, what does peace look like? What does it mean that Jesus will bring peace? You see, I think sometimes we have the wrong idea of peace. We have a definition of what peace is, but then what? We have, we have our ideas. But then what it actually is may, may be different. So what is the biblical idea of peace? The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means completeness or safety, tranquility, contentment. The Greek is irene. That's what is the angels mention in Luke 2, is that Greek word irene, which means peace and harmony and tranquility and welfare and health. And also has the idea of contentment. Well, I thought you said that our idea of peace may not be what peace is. That kind of sounds exactly what we think of as peace. So, what do you mean that we may not have peace right? We'll let Jesus clear this up. If we would go to Matthew chapter 10. Look at a few statements of Jesus. Jesus is sending out the twelve, and he says, I'm sending out you out as sheep among wolves. 
And he basically says, people are going to mistreat you. And he says, in, in, in his big speech there in Matthew 10 to the 12, before he sends them out and warning them what life is going to be like, he says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. What? Do not suppose I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be members of his own house. So ladies, if you have trouble with your in-laws, it's Jesus' fault. (laughs) That's not really the point here. The point is that Jesus knows for those, even for those, maybe even especially for those of us who will believe in him, who will follow him, who will try to live our lives as Jesus lived out in the world, we will not necessarily have easy times. Matter of fact, in John 15, he says, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. Well, that's cheery news. In Matthew's passage, Jesus knows that many who follow him, many who are going out to preach him, are going to find resistance even from their own family members. And towards the end of his ministry... Just after telling his disciples that he'll be going away. Jesus tells his apostles again, things are not going to be easy for you. Matter of fact, they're about to get really, really, really hard. And he predicts their failure. And he predicts their betrayal. And imagine the guilt involved with deserting Jesus. John 16, 32 and 33. Jesus says, The time is coming and in fact has now come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You are going to run away. You're going to abandon me. But I want you to be okay with it. I tell you these things so that in me you may have peace. That sounds ridiculous. So, quick recap. Jesus has prophesied about that he will bring peace. The angels confirm that he's going to be, bring peace to the shepherds. And then he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And he says, the world's going to hate you, but I hated me first. And then he promises, trouble is coming, but also says, I'm telling you this so you can have peace. That doesn't sound like the typical definition of peace to me. Peace being tranquility and harmony and welfare and contentment. This sounds terrible. It's confusing. So what kind of peace does Jesus give us? To understand what Jesus is getting at, we have to understand a strange concept. We think of peace as all these wonderful, easy things peaceful things, of tranquility, 
of no struggles, of no trials. But that's not the peace Jesus offers. The kind of peace Jesus offers is the ability to be at peace in the midst of earthly trials. What we have to understand is this concept right here. Peace is not the absence of trials. With Jesus, he offers us peace in the midst of trials. Thayer's Bible Dictionary defines it this way. The peace of Christianity is the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, can be content with its earthly lot, whatsoever that lot may be. The peace Jesus brings allows us to be content and rest in Him no matter our circumstances. You don't have to get to the end of your trial to have peace. Jesus offers us peace in the midst of our trials. And even Jesus telling us ahead of time, in this world you will have trouble, brings us peace. Because when those troubles come, when circumstances aren't perfect, when we're going through trials, we're not caught off guard and we're not left alone. We knew they were coming because Jesus was honest enough with us to say, in this world, you will have trouble, but my peace will get you through those troubles. Jesus demonstrates this in, in, in an awesome way. Peace is when you're, you're on a boat in a raging storm that's sinking and you're taking a nap. The apostles are bailing water and losing their minds. And Jesus is at peace in the midst of a raging storm. Peace is the ability to look at difficult circumstances and yet trust that life is in God's hands, that we are in God's hands. Peace is the ability to look at disease and know that healing will come if not in this life, in the next. I had a friend who was a college student who got sick and went to the hospital and the doctors and nurses were all rushing around and kind of going crazy and the doctor looked at her and said, where are you from? She was in Tennessee and she was from North Carolina and he says, you need to call your family because you may not make it through the night. And at 18, she looked the doctor in the eye and said peacefully, I guess I get to go to heaven before you. Which, I don't know if that actually happened or not, because she told me the story five years later. She survived the night. She survived the illness. I have no idea which one of them got to go to heaven first. But that's the type of peace that Jesus offers Peace in the midst of the storm. It's what Paul wrote about and is often taken out of context in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul knew troubles. He had a lot of them. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He also knew good times. And he knew he could get 
through either good times or bad because of Jesus. He knew contentment. He knew peace in any situation because his peace wasn't tied up in what was going on right here, right now, in this physical world. His peace was in Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his salvation, in his assurance, and in eternal life. And if we want peace, that's the kind of peace we need to look for. What do I want for Christmas? I think what would be best for me would be to continually realize the peace I have in Christ Jesus and I wish for you the same. Jesus is our peace. He is our peace in the midst of a life of ups and downs and twists and turns. He is our peace in heartache. He is our peace among loss. He is our peace among uncertain times. He is our peace among financial difficulties. He is our peace in a fallen world. What do I want for Christmas? I want to realize Jesus' peace. What does God want for Christmas? For us to do justice and to love kindly, kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. And I think that those things would be nearly impossible to accomplish without the peace of Christ. The peace that passes all understanding. May we daily lean into the peace that Jesus brings us and share that peace with the world around us. There's so much more I want to say. So much more I want to unpack and there's just not, not time for it. There are some discussions in your life group questions to dig into that. And if nothing else, if, if you're not in a life group, get in one. But look at Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Look at the peace that's mentioned there, that peace that passes understanding, and look at the process that it takes to attain that. Because we can lean more and more into God's peace if we will. For now, we'll pray together. The worship team can come on up and continue in song of prayer after And if you know someone who is here and is struggling with life situations and needs a sense of peace, go and pray with them. And if you're here and and you don't feel at peace, find someone to pray with you. Our shepherds are around the auditorium. Other church members would love to pray with you. Let's lean in to Jesus' peace. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's sometimes confusing to look at what Jesus says about peace. On the surface, in this life, you will have troubles. Does not bring us peace. And yet, our peace isn't wrapped up in worldly things, but it's in you. And I'm so thankful for the promise of peace in Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful that even when life is completely upside down, that you are always with us, that your love never fails, that if you, can, if you are for us, who could be against us, and that nothing in all creation can separate us from your love through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for making us more than conquerors through your son Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice, his love, his peace, his joy.
purpose and the family that we have in you, the God of all, and your son, Jesus Christ, through whom we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.